college football is really heating up right now. We got the college football playoff set. Um, we got, you know, some familiar faces. Alabama, of course, at that number one seed. Uh, Georgia, again, at the number three seed. And um, we got some new faces as well. Michigan in their first time in the college football playoff. Um, but it appears that we have Ralph back on. So uh, Ralph Russo um, is joining us on one-on-one. Once again, he is an Associated Press college football writer. Um, and uh, I just, again, wanted to thank you, Ralph, for joining us, uh, making the time for us today. I know it's a very busy uh, bowl season and uh, college football playoff coming up. But um, thanks for making the time. Ralph, how are you doing? Very good. Can you hear me all right? <laughs> Yes, we can hear you quite all right. Awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a real it's a pleasure to come on with you two uh, to be back on a, in a place that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is a show that is means a lot to me. Um, I grew up listening to it, then got a chance to host it, and at twenty one, it was like a dream come true. So I hope you guys are um, uh, appreciate the um, uh, the opportunity you have here. WFUV is great, and this show is great, and I'm so happy that uh it's still going i'm so happy that it's still going yes i can't agree with you more i'm <laughs> sure kelly happy. is in the yeah. same camp and tyler as well um you know after this p- past year and a half we were not in the station we're finally back and it's so nice to be back at this station where you know the best memories are made but uh ralph i want to start with your time at wfuv um on your bio page on the Sports Business Journal, you know, when I was doing a little bit of research for this interview, it says that you joined the station with the intent of becoming the next Bob Costas, <laughs> um, of course, legendary sports broadcaster. Um, and from my understanding, you did quite a bit of broadcasting for Fordham Sports. Um, but how did you end up making that transition from the aspiration to be on air um, to making a successful career as a sports writer? Yeah, so the... Um what the, the the path of um radio and tv as as you know and we'll find out even more as you as you move on from college that's a tough path like that's a that's a really uh, competitive space to work in so i thought listen i did some radio after college some small town radio and i was looking for jobs in electronic media uh, but then just had this opportunity to work in sports, in writing. It was a little outside of what I wanted, but I thought, okay, it's still an opportunity to work in sports and have a pretty decent, solid job. Uh, and that sort of, it, it all sort of started rolling from there. I, I realized, oh yeah, I can write. I, I didn't work for the newspaper at Fordham. Uh, so I did a lot of my learning of print journalism on the job. It worked out okay. The best part about it though, from having my experience at FUV is nowadays you need to be everything. You can't just be a sports writer. You can't just be a sportscaster. You can't just be a blogger or a podcaster or a TV personality. The more skills you have in this realm and being able to do more things is so invaluable. Even an old guy like me has had to like sort of learn how to do some new tricks and the, the radio piece of it has come in very handy because I, I do some, I do shows for Sirius XM and their college networks uh, as a fill-in. So it's been a nice way to have a little side gig. I have my own podcast now, the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast, which we started, you know, at, at the AP that I sort of started from grassroots. So having all of those skills in the, um, all those tools in the tool, tool belt is essential 
for the people who are going to be following me for you guys, right? Like you can't just be one thing. You got to be a little bit of everything and be good at them. So you'll be uh, well suited to, uh, to move on from here with multiple skills. I'm sure from your time at Fordham. Well, speaking of being a jack of all trades and doing a lot of things and being good at them, uh, we're obviously going to focus a lot on your experience covering college football because you've done so well with that. Uh, but really quickly, doing during our during our background research, we saw that you actually broadcasted the most recent Fordham men's basketball NCAA tournament game, 1992. They actually lost that game to UMass, 85-58. Uh, in their first in that first round but can you tell us a little bit about that experience broadcasting this team that that you grew up being or at least you went to the I went to the same school as being an NCAA tournament game us as current Fordham students we haven't really seen that much success from a Fordham men's basketball team in a while so what was that like getting to call that game yeah so there's a couple of things that were going on there first of all like Fordham's men Fordham's men's team was really good at that it was a period of about three or four years where they were uh, really doing very well in the Metro um, Athletic Atlant Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the old the MAC where we used to be, yeah. and then when they transitioned to the Patriot League, they were still uh, really toward the top of the Patriot League. So we, my three, because I transferred into Fordham, my three years at Fordham um, were very good for our for men's basketball. Uh, they, they played big games against big teams and even won some of them. And I did. Now, I wasn't as deeply involved as some of the others uh, who were doing play-by-play. -play. I definitely did play-by-play -play and, and the color analyst for some of the basketball games and some of the football games. Um, but when that game was played, it was during spring break. So I got to—I have to tell you, it was very fortunate because, you know, number one choice, away on spring break. Number two choice to broadcast the game, away on spring break. Okay, Russo's available. You get to go on this and do this game. With and I believe I was I did it with Mike Puma, who is now currently the New York Mets beat writer for the New York Post. Um, so we got to go. So that's the interesting part of like the background of how I end up getting lucky enough to do that. The other interesting part of it is again we were pretty Fordham was pretty good at that time, and this was the first really good John Calipari UMass team. You guys are young. I don't know if you're going to remember all this stuff, mm -hmm. but this was before they got awesome but they were very good and as we were riding up with the team to Amherst we were in the team bus we got to ride in the team bus and during the team the ride up to Amherst the the bus had video recorders for VHS tapes which again I don't know if you guys even know what that is um, and they would pop in the, the tapes to sort of review some film on the team that they were going to play on UMass but the film was mostly just like a dunk fest it was and they had this like six five power forward yeah it's like undersized power forward named Herndon I don't think it was Larry but his last name was Herndon and he could jump out of the building and all I remember watching this like watching this dunk fest of these players thinking like this is not going to go well for four <laughs> This, this is, like, what are you watching here? I feel like we're just watching like their highlight reel, not necessarily like scouting tape. It's more like a highlight reel. And very much the game went that way. Really, once we got up to Amherst, they played competitive for maybe a, a two thirds of the first half. And then the second half was essentially a dunk fest. 
Yeah, I mean Fordham has been playing uh, some some higher quality uh, teams at least. They they played Miami at the Barclays Center this past Sunday. I I was there. I know you were there. I, I know there our, our uh, video producer Alex Wolves is there. Um, so that was fun. Uh, it's definitely it's more fun when Fordham wins basketball games. They've been winning this 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 season, so that's been great. Yeah, I'm very encouraged. I, I, I've heard that the new coach is like, I, you know, I've heard I don't do a lot of basketball, but I know that Villanova program. So if you can mm-hmm. like sort of latch on to a little bit of that magic, that sounds like a great idea. Um, and I love the fact that they've been in the Atlantic 10 tournament to a certain degree because the, the Atlantic 10 plays at Barclays Center. Yeah. That's not far from where I live. I often cover that tournament. I, I, I think I've only seen Fordham win once in that tournament. It's nice to have them in the A-10. I wish they were a little more successful in the A-10, <laughs> but hopefully uh, the new regime there gets, gets, gets them to a point where they're a lot more competitive. Yes, it certainly feels like a new and brighter era for Fordham cool. men's Good. basketball. Very happy about that. <laughs> so moving on from them um, and moving on to your, your current career, uh, covering college football over the past 20 years, I'm sure it's been, uh, you know, a blast with the with the, the, the number of interesting storylines in the game uh, on the field. You know, the various national championship formats that they've cycled through um, and the politics, you know, of, of the NCAA and the Power Five conferences, the power struggle there. Um, but I'm going to ask you, and this might be a, a difficult question, but um, I'm going to ask you to share with us the coolest experience that you've had covering college football during your career. Okay, so I've had a lot because yes, I've I'm covered, sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, well, and again, I'm super fortunate. I, I've mm-hmm. covered every national championship game since mm-hmm. 2004, right? Uh, and plus a lot of other big games. Uh, it, it's hard to go past the fact that I was covering and really was completely overwhelmed because it was one of the first national championship games I covered. I was still relatively new in the job. What a lot of people consider the greatest college football game in recent history, and that's the Texas USC Rose Bowl after the 2005 season. So it would have been the 2006 Rose Bowl, Vince Young. You know, again, it hasn't been that long ago, but I'm realizing for you guys, like you were like four or five when this game happened, (laughs) Uh, maybe thereabouts. Um, But I'm sure you know the game, and I got to cover that game. Very cool because – a, what, an amazing a historic game I mean you know Vince Young t- turned out to be a great player and two Heisman Trophy winners for USC it was the end of the it was in some ways the end of the USC dynasty they had won I think 34 or 35 straight going into that game and it was just an amazing football game so on one hand like very cool on the other hand a little humbling because again I was still relatively new to the job and all of a sudden like the greatest game in the history of college football may have occurred in front of you. And oh, but now you have to write about it. And I just remember taking some solace and going back to the media hotel at like two or three in the morning or whatever it was, and being surrounded by a lot, a lot of veteran sports writers, guys who have been at it in that position a little longer than I had. And they were all sort of lamenting the same thing that I was internally, which was there's no way my story is good enough to, to measure up to that game. Like it was just, you know, on deadline, rushing through, you know, just filing words here and there and stripping stripping paragraphs out. So it made me feel a little better, but I've always sort of looked back on that game and thought, amazing that I've been there, but I wish I could have done a better job. Interesting. A better job. Isn't that crazy? Just the fact that he's had an experience like that where no matter what he wrote, he's like, the story is too big for that. Well, 
Uh, I wanted to ask you, Ralph, part of covering college football, besides those big games, the big stars, is tracking them before they get there and following recruits. And I feel like in the past few months especially, we've seen so many crazy stories come out about these these prospects and the schools they end up choosing. I would love to ask, what's your opinion on the recent trend of players being quote-unquote flipped from school to school where they you know they verbal to one school and on signing day they choose another like we've just seen with Travis Hunter or even coolest name in college football the coldest Crawford with yeah. Nebraska going to play for Scott Frost by the way it's Scott Frost yeah. you, you can't write it you, uh, speaking of stories Match you can't write any better right <laughs> right there what's your opinion on, I know you've, you've obviously been following the recruiting process in college football for a long time now what's your take on that whole situation so just just as a as a as a disclaimer I'm not as deep into the into the recruiting process as a lot of the people who cover that full time but certainly yeah I definitely you have to have your finger on the pulse of it to a certain degree because that's where the players come from and ultimately that decides who's going to be good if you recruit well you will be good there's it, it is a direct correlation um the interesting thing about the flipping is well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, it's been going on forever, but I think because there's so much more attention that's been put on um, uh, recruiting, we see it more. And I think because there's more attention, I think, and this is not a knock to the young people who are doing this, uh, because we put a big spotlight on them. But I do think kids are a little more um, understand that they're in the spotlight and understand that I can make some headlines by committing a little early, uh, getting, you know, a soft commitment out there. And then I get my name out, in, you know, on social media and in the newspaper, so to speak, if there is it's such a thing as a newspaper anymore. Um, and then if I change my mind later, well, that's more news for me. So I think it's always gone on. I think the, the coverage has amplified it. The, I think the other interesting thing is now is sort of the question of why they're flipping, right? And, and this right. sort of begs back to, or goes back to what just what we just saw with Deion Sanders. Uh, getting the number one recruit in the country to go to Jackson State. And as someone, I lived in Mississippi for four or five years. You know, I've, I've been on that practice field. I, I don't know if it's gotten a whole lot better. And it was, it was dirt and rocks. So the idea, like, and, and, like, and that's not to criticize Jackson State. There's just not a lot of money flowing into those, those programs, those F, FCS and HBCU programs. Like they make do with the best that they can do. So to think that like the number one player in the country would sign up for that and why, you know, there's been a lot of speculation as far as NIL deals and things like that, but no real hard evidence, I would say, uh, or good reporting to show that that's actually happening. But I do think the idea that these kids can now sign endorsement deals, create some earning potential in college does flip, does add a new element to recruiting to, okay, I'm not just going to go to Alabama because they have the best coaches and they or Clemson because they have a slide in their football facility. Now I can actually make a little money here. And maybe there's a school that's not necessarily one of the championship factories that I can actually make a little money, be their number one recruit. And that puts me in a better position to build my brand and build my fame. And again, have a little something if my college football career doesn't work out. Right. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting new dynamic to add to um, to the college game. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been advocating it for it for a while. And it's here now with the NLI rules or NL, NIL rules. NIL, yeah, the, the uh, two yeah. of those things being so close is really, <laughs> yeah, no, the two, really a pain, by the way. Constantly confusing those two letters. Yeah. But uh, we got one more question for you. Um, and it has to do with college football playoff just because it's, it's set – 
Uh, we got some familiar faces, as we mentioned, Alabama at the one seed, Georgia at the three seed, and uh, some fresh faces with Jim Harbaugh's Michigan team finally getting into the college football playoff at the two seed, and Cincinnati rounding out the pack with the four seed. Who do you think advances to the national championship, and who do you think eventually takes home the college football trophy on January 10th? So super excited to see Cincinnati get a chance. Um and and I think they are deserving of that chance. I don't think this is going to go very well for them. Um, I you know I, I I've been around that team a little bit. They have a lot of excellent players individually, individuals who will play in the NFL and will be high draft picks. But the level of talent that you're dealing with at Alabama, listen. And this is not a knock to Cincinnati. They overwhelm just about anybody that's not. I mean, heck, they just overwhelm Georgia. So. The level of talent that Alabama plays with compared to the level of talent that Cincinnati plays with makes me pretty confident that Alabama will win that game. I think the the question becomes how much of a fight can Cincinnati put up? My biggest concern is they don't run the ball all that well. They're a little one-dimensional and their offensive line, it doesn't have a ton of depth. So I'm a little worried about that aspect as far as keeping the game close. Georgia, Michigan, you know, again, I would lean towards Georgia I find the idea of Michigan being a in this with, with Harbaugh and possibly advancing with Harbaugh to be a more interesting story. Right. So as a journalist, you root for the story, mm-hmm. uh, frankly, you know, having Georgia and Alabama play again is not quite as interesting a story. I don't think there'll be as much buzz about that game, though. I think it, there's a chance that Georgia could turn it around and actually beat Alabama a second time. Um, but, but I don't think there's going to be as much buzz about the game. If there's a possibility of getting Michigan into that game, I'm sort of all for it for the storylines. I I am worried again that that Georgia is playing with a level of talent that will limit some of the things Michigan likes to do. They're not a really dynamic passing team. And I think that's where you best attack Georgia. Um, They're more of a power running team. And I think that's the hardest way to attack Georgia. So, What's the answer? No. <laughs> What's college football playoff? No. So I would say this I, as much as again, I'd like to see it to be Michigan because I think it'd be an interesting storyline. I, I would, pre- if, if, if held to a prediction, and clearly you guys are doing that now. Yep. Georgia, <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I'll say Georgia against Alabama. And you know, this may be stubborn of me. I picked Georgia to win the national championship before the mm-hmm. season. I'll, I'll say they figure out a way. To, to, wow. to, to reverse it in the SEC championship game. It's not unprecedented. You've seen, it doesn't happen that often, but you will see teams lose a regular season game and maybe play in a bowl or play in a, in a, in a, in a, in a conference championship game and flip the result around. Uh, again, I'll show my age here. There's a really famous, um, uh, famous game between Florida state and Florida back in the mid nineties where Florida state beat the Gators in a close game to end the regular season, those two teams then advanced to the Sugar Bowl and played for the national championship, and the Gators blew them off the field. So these teams are not the same team every time they face. So I'll, I'll sort of, I'll, I'll, I'll go with my ego pick and try to be right and say that Georgia will win the national championship. I like. It. I mean, there's definitely a good storyline there. A rematch of the SEC championship this year. A rematch of the 2017 college football playoff, or I guess that was maybe 2018, 2017 season. 2017 season, yeah. Uh, yes, so uh, it, there's plenty of very exciting college football left to be watched, uh, plus all of the bowls, uh, an insane amount of bowls these days now, uh, but it just means more college football for us to watch. 
Um, and more for you to report on. And, f- and more for <laughs> you to report on. We can't thank you uh, enough, Ralph. This is this was a blast uh, having you on. Um, it was great, you know, catching up. You know, having you back on the show. Um, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure talk. Thomas and Kelly, thank you so much. Uh, good luck with everything you do, and uh, reach out anytime.